Behind every song is a voice, and every voice is a story. The journeys behind the voices brings life to the music that shapes each of us. Brought to you by Visible Music College and in partnership with the largest online Christian music site new release today, this is Behind the Tunes, and I am your host, Austin Black. Together, we will explore those journeys, the journeys behind the artists that shape the landscape of today's music. with Baylor Wilson of BaylorWilson.com here on Behind the Tunes. Baylor, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Now, you grew up in the Dallas, Texas area, so you're a Texas girl. Is that right? That's right. Texas through and through. <laughs> now, now, as I was reading up on your story, you have, uh, you've lived a lifetime already, I think, in many ways, Baylor. Uh, it says you, you, cheerleading was kind of your passion growing up, and, and it didn't work out going yeah. to college. And then I think my favorite part was where you ended up next to the nitty-gritty dirt band at a bed and breakfast. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And so, and so he gives you some advice, and you just dive off into music. So, so tell us a little bit of your story. How do you go from Dallas to Nashville, Tennessee, where you are today? Yeah, it definitely feels like a lifetime. I'm only 27 years old, and I, I definitely, I know that I know nothing now. I mean, I feel like the older you get, the, you realize you know less and less. <laughs> Even even though you've lived a lot of life, like, obviously, I'd be happy to give younger people advice, but I always want to take advice from the older folks who know more than me. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, I grew up in Dallas, in the, the central Dallas area, went to a performing arts high school in downtown Dallas. Um, it was so much fun. I got to dance and sing all day long, kind of like the movie Fame. Um, and High School Musical, it felt like that, but on steroids. It was so, you know, I'd walk down the hallway, and there'd be, like, you know, my friend who plays cello, just playing cello in the middle of the hallway. Uh, and then, like, my ballet friends just doing, you know, pirouettes down the hallway. It really was like that. Um, and so at my senior year of high school, I was doing, you know, my my arts of dance and music, but I was also still competitive cheering. My mom owned a cheerleading gym in Dallas my entire life, so I grew up in that sport. And it was competition cheerleading. It wasn't just like, you know, rah, rah, re at football games. I'm not against that, but that's just not (laughs) what I was focused on. Uh, I was, you know, tumbling, jumping, stunting. I broke 11 bones in the sport over the course of, you know, 12 years. Maybe I think it was more than 12, actually. I'm not good at math. But... (laughs) Anyways, I, uh, yeah, at my senior year, I was going to that performing arts school, but I was also after school going to my competitive cheer practices. And my dream at 18 years old was to be a college cheerleader and marry a college football player. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was as far down the line as I could see at 18. And it's just so funny. Even every time I tell this story, I just feel like, the smile from God of like, you thought, (laughs) (laughs) you, you thought, but I had so much better for you. And so in, let's see, in 2012, I was down in Norman, Oklahoma, trying out for 
the University of Oklahoma's cheerleading team. And my mom and I were down there. We're staying at this bed and breakfast in the little college town. And I try out for the team thinking, honestly, like with so much pride that I was going to make the team. Like I was the coach's kid. I had been doing this for years. I knew everybody in the cheer industry, but I didn't make the team. Mm. And it was, you know, a little dream crusher of mine. It was so sad. It was, um, it was my first devastating moment. Like I, I definitely grew up kind of making I kind of made every team that I tried out for. And this was the first time that I didn't make the team. And so I I remember going back to the bed and breakfast with my mom and just like weeping because I didn't understand why my life wasn't going the way that I thought it should go. And I, (laughs) we started talking to the owner of this bed and breakfast, who was this sweet older lady. I forget her name, but she started asking me what my other college options were. And I started to tell her, you know, this school, this school, Belmont University. And she stopped me and said, wait, Belmont, like in Nashville? And I was like, yes, ma'am. How do you know that school? And she was like, well, you'll never guess who's staying at this bed and breakfast. And I'm like, who? (laughs) And my mom and I are on the edge of our seats. You know, I'm thinking it's like Miley Cyrus or something. (laughs) And, you know, and she goes, the nitty gritty dirt band. (laughs) And and my mom starts freaking out, and I'm 18 years old, and I'm like, who's that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I and my mom leans over and says, you and me go fishing in the dark. Come on, Baylor, you know this. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so next thing I know, each band member walks down the stairs. And this is when, this is the part of the story when it started to really feel like a slow motion movie. Like, how is this happening to me? And... Jeff Hanna came down the stairs, who's the lead singer of, of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and has been since the start. And we start talking, and it was very um, just it was very easy to talk to him. He, he and the band members were waiting on a show that night that they had, so they had nothing to do. They were just hanging out. And it was me, my mom, the band, and the owner of this bed and breakfast, and that was it in this sweet little, you know, kitchen area of this house. And we start talking and Jeff's like, so what are you going to do with your life? Because I had already explained to him I didn't make the team and I was devastated and my mom was walking through a divorce and all this stuff was going on. And he was like, well, do you play music? And I said, well, I picked up the guitar, you know, a couple years ago in my bedroom, but I, I haven't shown anybody the songs I've written except for, like, family friends. And he goes, well, play me a song. So I played him the first song I had ever written, which now looking back was absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> which I know every artist would say and every songwriter would say their first song was terrible. <laughs> and he looked at me and this was, this is when I, for the first time felt like God was speaking through somebody. He looked at me straight in the face and said, Baylor, what are you doing in Norman, Oklahoma? You need to be in Nashville, Tennessee. Hmm. And, I, and I was like, what Nashville? And he was like, you need to go to Belmont. You need to pursue music. You need to do this. And I don't know what happened to me often, but I took I took that word and I ran with it. I was just like, you know what? I'm doing it. So I told my mom on the way home the next day, I was like, I'm not going to University of Oklahoma. I'm going to go to Belmont. And at that point, if there's any seniors in high school that listen to this, you're supposed to know where you're going to college at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the middle of summer and I already had a roommate. I already, I mean, the trajectory of my life was going a certain way and God completely reorchestrated it and redirected me. So that's how I got to Nashville. It was a pretty crazy 
um, sovereign moment up from the Lord. That's what I was about to say. That, can we give a round of applause for the sovereignty of God to, to put you in a, in, a, in a bed and breakfast with the nitty-gritty dirt band? That that part blew me away. That you're just pouring your heart out. <laughs> you're pouring like your heartbreak out to the, the nitty gritty dirt band. He's yes. like, go to Nashville, and you're like, okay, here mm-hmm. we go. Let's do this. Yeah, it was that. It was that simple and real, and it felt so surreal because, like, I, when I close my eyes and picture it, it really did feel like a dream at night when you're asleep. But it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was, it was real. Like these guys were like pretty much counseling and fathering my mom and I, you know, in, in such a um, beautiful, difficult moment in both of our lives. It was so awesome. That's so wild. Again, we're here with Baylor Wilson here on Behind the Tunes. Is it, you know, you didn't know who they were at that, really at that moment too much. It, it, was it weird when he was like, Mm-mm. play me a song? Do you, do you, because my personality would be like, I feel insane right now. But you're like, yeah, let's just do this. <laughs> Well, the only reason that I was okay playing a song, like, right off the bat is because my mom kind of kind of would raise me where, like, she'd have her friends over and she'd be like, Baylor, get your guitar out and play for everyone. So okay. I was already, already kind of used to being, like, you know, the, the house party's entertainment for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I loved it. I loved it. I loved playing guitar. I felt very at home. Um, writing songs, even though I had no idea that that was like a gifting yet, which I'm glad I didn't know that yet. I'm thankful that I di- I'm thankful I didn't have a lot of applause from the outside at a young age. I'm really grateful for that. Well, let's talk about Survivor for a second. How in the world did this go down? <laughs> yeah, so this is another one of those crazy crossroad moments of, of my life, and it actually all ties in a beautiful bow because I've kind of already set up that I was a cheerleader from Texas, and my mom and I clearly were really close growing up. We are still very close. And about two years into my college career in Nashville, it was summer after my sophomore year, I get a phone call from my mom, and she's like, Baylor, guess who just Facebook messaged me? And I was like, who? And she goes, remember your old cheer coach, Stephen Smith? And I was like, yeah, I think so. I remember and it was this guy who used to work for my mom for years at her cheerleading gym. He was, like, on staff there. And he reached out and said, what are you and Baylor doing this summer? We are casting for season 29 of Survivor, CBS, like CBS of Survivor. And my mom calls me, and she's like, do you want to go be on Survivor? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? Like, not really, but maybe. I don't know. And... So we kind of, we get on the phone with Steven and he's like, so you guys would be perfect because we're doing a season called Blood Versus Water where you're out there with one of your, you know, a loved one, a family member, and you get to be there with that person the whole time. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds great. So, so yeah, we didn't really even try out. Every time I tell this, people are like, that's not fair. And I'm like, well, honestly, like, I don't, <laughs> I I don't know if I would even try out now that I've done it. <laughs> it was it was crazy, Austin. I mean, we we went out to Nicaragua. That's where my season was filmed. And I was 20 years old. My mom was in her 40s. And we made it to the final five. Like, we, we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, if you can picture two Dallas city girls, you know, being thrown into the jungle, that's literally what happened. I mean, my mom and I are pretty outdoorsy. But not to the point where you you have no toothbrush or razor or fluffy pillow, you know. 
that that put a damper on our little you know city girl parade um but it was it was such a good experience in the sense that i really gained um understanding of gratitude like actual gratitude for what i have like back home you know i mean i was i remember coming back and and thanking god for the littlest things like running water and like and uh, you know a, a chair to sit on like that that meant so much to me when I came back. So it was radical. It was it was a it was a rowdy experience. I'm just really enjoying the theme we're seeing here of of nitty gritty dirt band. You should move to Nashville. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, you want you want to go be on Survivor? Yeah, I ain't got anything to do this <laughs> hey, summer. Let's, let's just let's just run, <laughs> let's just hang out in Nicaragua for yeah. a little while. Again, here's Baylor Wilson. BaylorWilson.com on behind the tunes. So Baylor, you you do you're in Belmont. You're doing the Survivor thing, and you come back from that, and and you're pursuing music. It you, you kind of began in country music. So how did you wander yeah. off into that? Yeah. So I think when I moved to Nashville, Jeff Hanna, the lead singer of Nitty Gritty, really took me under his wing, and because he was in country music, I kind of I kind of fell into that. I think being from Texas, being, you know, growing up on bands like the Dixie Chicks, Sheryl Crow, Sarah Evans, my mom played that music growing up. So, so I kind of just fell into sounding, I guess, country and Nashville used to be known for only country music. Now it's kind of different, but so when I moved here, I just started pursuing it, you know, full force, just went for it. And after Survivor came back and was, you know, playing rounds, I was, I was doing the I was doing the thing. I was doing the music thing here in Nashville. I mean, literally every Friday night I was on a bar stool playing writers rounds at whatever venue would let me play. Um and then my senior year I got I got signed to a country music publishing company on Music Row. It was it's called Seagale Music and actually Brad Paisley owns the company. Yeah. Uh, and so he signed me along with this other guy named Chris Dubois. And I started writing full time professionally. Like basically it was like my dream job at that point. Um, so my 18 year old dream was to marry a football player that, that crashed and burned. And then my, my 21 year old dream was to be a country music songwriter. And that happened. Like that was, that was the plan for my life at that point. And so I, yeah, I just, my daily life back then was, you know, writing country songs all day, every day, and then hopefully someone either recording them or I recorded them, and hopefully it became a big hit. So, so you're you're writing country music, you're living that out, you're excited about that, presumably, and like you said, you're achieving this dream, and now you find yourself in Christian music. Um, yep. Yeah. So how 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 do you make that jump? How did you transition from uh, I'm pursuing this passion of country music and now you're dropping singles like Jesus Happened? Yeah. So this this is the part of the story where I always like to tell anyone listening that growing up in in Texas, I was pretty much always a professing Christian. I I didn't grow up necessarily in the church every week, all week, like every Wednesday night and Sunday morning, but I grew up knowing about Jesus and I, and I knew John three sixteen by heart. So of course I was a Christian. Like, of course, I mean, I just was like, that's just, that's just what I knew. It was very, it was very cultural. Um, and it was just part of my family. And so then fast forward to, I'm in this country music deal. I'm living the dream on the outside, you know, 
on Instagram, on everything, it looked like I was, you know, I was, I had it all, the boyfriend, the deal, the, I lived in Nashville, all the, you know, all the bells and whistles. But on the inside, I started to really, really, honestly, like, emotionally and spiritually die. Like, I was dying on the inside. And I was on an all-out search for identity and purpose, and like everyone is. And about halfway through that country deal, it was October of 2017, I was sitting in a coffee shop on, like, a random Tuesday, I think. And my girlfriend from college, who I hadn't seen in a while, comes up to me. She, we ran into each other, and she's like, Taylor, oh, my gosh, hi. What are you doing this Friday? And I'm like, I don't know. Why? And she goes, you have to come to this worship night that I've been going to. It's changing my life, and you just have to come. Jesus is there. And I'm like, okay. And, and again, like, I, I already thought that I was a Christian. Like, I was a professing Christian. I was like, I don't need a worship night. You know, I just <laughs> – I was so prideful, and uh, and I just thought – I just didn't know what I, what I didn't have yet. And so that Friday night – um, I show up to this address she sends me and thinking it would be a church, but it wasn't. It was an auto body car shop, <laughs> which, which is just another funny part of my story where like, I just love God's humor. You know, he's so, he's just fun. I love the Lord. And for my story, for whatever reason, I, he wanted to use a random car shop on the side of I-65 in Nashville. <laughs> and the reason that the people were meeting there is because they didn't have a church, a church building yet. So this was a very new kind of a church plant, but really they didn't even know it was a church yet. They were honestly just meeting to worship Jesus. So I walk in and I experienced what I had never experienced before, or at least I didn't, I hadn't remembered experiencing it, which was the tangible presence of God. And I walk in and what I mean by that is, is, the Holy Spirit was there. Like these people were worshiping actual God in the room, like the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of peace and love and all the things that he is, the character of God was being lifted up in the room and the atmosphere that they had set through their worship overwhelmed me. I mean, I was just like looking around, like this is not a show. This is not for anyone else. This is people worshiping actual Jesus. And, and only through his spirit did I, did I come to the knowledge in that moment that I was in, I was in the midst of like a holy, I was on holy ground. Like, like Jesus was there and I started weeping, like pretty much uncontrollably, really ugly crying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, the makeup was going everywhere and I had no idea that my Jesus happened moment was happening. You know, I just knew that I was being, I was being touched by the Lord, by the presence of God. And so much so that before I even knew what the word repentance meant, because I didn't read my Bible at that time. I didn't know anything except for John 3.16. I started like asking the Lord for forgiveness and completely turning my life over to him, like laying my life down and completely giving over, giving up to Jesus, giving up to him. And and he, he so honored that I just felt so loved and cared for and I mean, I was radically touched. And after that night, I, you know, the following week went about my life, but everything was different. I mean, so much so that, like, I would walk outside and, like, colors were brighter and sounds were louder. I mean, it was it was a very radical moment. I even tell people that it kind of felt like my Saul to Paul moment. Like, I, I was born again. Hmm. Um, and, and after that, I would walk into country music co-writes and, 
I started bringing my Bible with me everywhere. I'm sure people called me the Jesus freak. I did not care. <laughs> and and I, I, I just couldn't help but tell everyone about Jesus immediately. Like, my witness was just, con- like, immediate and constant. I had nothing else to give anyone except for him, which is, like, how we're supposed to live. <laughs> and... And people started asking me, like, okay, Baylor, we understand you, you called yourself a Christian before, but now, like, you really know this Jesus guy you talk about. What happened to you? And my little slogan shortened down from, like, a 15-minute testimony to Jesus happened. Hmm. Like, I don't know exactly except for Jesus happened to me. And that's how, that's how this song was born, um, was literally me being born again, but then afterwards, having these beautiful conversations on music row in Nashville in country music, which is how it started with people that, you know, maybe they had, they had grown up in the church or been hurt by the church or their dad was a pastor and they walked away from the faith or whatever. And here comes little old, you know, radical Baylor. (laughs) And, and I just like preached the gospel. I didn't even, I, I didn't have any churchianity in me. That just wasn't, I didn't have that. All I had was the Bible and this radical encounter with God. And I knew it was him because his word says so. Like, I didn't, I didn't have this crazy night and then go off and, like, just pretend like I knew everything. I was reading the word, and it started to come to life for me. And that's all, that's all that I was sharing. And so, yeah, after that, I started writing Christian songs. I didn't, I didn't have any more country music lyrics in me. All I wanted to do was worship God and, and write about him. So, <laughs> I love it, and it really—it's a beautiful picture. You say I didn't have the words or the phrases or the things that I'm "quote unquote" supposed to say, which is insanity. You know, I just had Jesus yeah. happen. I just had the truth, and then what happened to yeah. me? You know, I had the truth and what yeah. happened to me, and that's that's I got chills over here, Baylor. Chills yes. over here well, because that because because I had the truth now because I was always on a search for the truth my whole life. I was I was the kind of girl that was, you know, always into, like, identity, you know, my mom put me in counseling at a very young age, so I was always really, like, self-assessing and self-aware and very much so trying to figure out why I am the way I am, when really that was not a pointless pursuit, but it never led me to the truth, which is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. (laughs) And then once I figured that out, that he actually died for me, for all my sin, that I was a sinner then that's what set me free. The truth that set me free is, is, oh my gosh, I can be forgiven and live like I'm free forever until I meet him? Oh, wait a second. This, oh, wait a second, you know? So, yeah, that's what I started to tell people. And, and it really offended some people, but other people were eating it up. I mean, we had, I had so many miraculous conversations with pastor's kids and, and you know, ex-worship leaders in, in, these, in these rooms where the Lord's spirit would just show up. And we, would, we, we, we ended up for, forsaking the right that day, and we would just open up the word together and just fellowship. I mean, it was, wow. it was amazing. Love it. She's Baylor Wilson uh, here on Behind the Tunes, BaylorWilson.com. Switching gears a little bit here, Baylor. What was the first album you ever bought with your own money? Oh, my gosh. Let me think about it. Um the first one that comes to mind was probably an Avril Lavigne record. <laughs> oh, I love that one, though. I, love I know. Right. That, was, that was probably what I purchased with my own money. So kind of coming up musically, I know you're kind of dabbling in it, even though your focus was mostly cheerleading and stuff. Um, who are your influences musically? 
Yeah, the, the, the ones that I always name off that I remember listening to a lot growing up were Sheryl Crow, for sure. Like, she was, she was my favorite. Yeah. Um, and then my mom always had on, like, Fleetwood Mac and, like, Jackson 5. She always was playing that in the background. Um, and then, of course, the Dixie Chicks were, like, pretty much – I mean, the, the most memory I have of the Dixie Chicks is being in the car with my mom driving around town and she singing – belting the Dixie Chicks and then me trying to harmonize. <laughs> <laughs> So, and she'd be like, Baylor, no, 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 here's the harmony. And then, like, coach me through it. And then that's how I learned. That's how I learned to sing. Oh, I love it. If you could open for anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Whoa. Who would it be? Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's a great question. I think the person that I've been, the people that I've been thinking of lately that I'd love to open for is We the Kingdom. Yeah. So... What's your songwriting process like? You know, it's different in every co-write, depending on how many people are in the room and whether or not it's just acoustic guitars or we've got a producer. But for me, sometimes I'll have titles that I've written down in my notes on my phone. Sometimes, most of the time lately, I'll pick up my voice memo app, open it up, and start singing a melody um, oftentimes I'll be on walks or on runs out in nature and I'll just start honestly hearing a song like bubbling up in my spirit. Um, and it often, it often is me singing scripture. And then from there, the Lord will, you know, bring that into a co-write and, and I tell everyone what I'm feeling, what's on my heart. And, and that's kind of how we go. That's how we, that's how we write a song. There's few things like live music. There's so many great things that happen, but there's always the goofy things that happen, too. <laughs> do you have a most embarrassing onstage moment? Oh, I'm sure I do. Let me think. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, well, <laughs> I can't even tell you how many times I have forgotten my own lyrics to my own songs. <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely say that some of the most embarrassing moments are when on the microphone in the middle of me playing guitar, you know, I'll stop the song and be like, I'm going to start over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's pretty embarrassing considering it's my own songs. I think the only other time that that was pretty embarrassing was I'm pretty sure I wore some, some awesome, really cute cowboy boots once where I completely slipped on my way up (laughs) on the stage. And that's just, I'm pretty sure every artist has to fall at least once to be a true artist. At least once the 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 lyrics thing makes me laugh because I was I was the front man for <laughs> for my band for years. I played keys, and so kind of the way we were shifted, I could see my stage left guitar player, and he was really good at words, and I was really bad at remembering words. <laughs> and there was I can't tell me times we'd be like an intro of a song. I was like I just can't remember it, and I would cut my eyes over yep. to him, and he would like mouth it, mouth the words, yeah. But then I yeah, wouldn't be able to get it. Friend. I wouldn't be able to get it. So I'd, so I'd have to give him like that oh, eyebrow no. thing, you know, the eyebrow like, let's do, to give it to me again, you know. And eventually I'd, I'd yep. come up with something. Yeah, uh, yeah. You just play the intro like for five minutes until you remember it. <laughs> <laughs> or and, and then if you can't, you just start making them up from there. <laughs> yep. Give yeah. Them, we're wrapping you just, up. You just start singing "Here I Am" to worship, and That's you just right. go for it. <laughs> and wrapping up here on behind the tunes with Baylor Wilson of BaylorWilson.com. I like to end with a little rapid fire. You got your game face on. Oh my gosh! I hope so. Here we go. What's the last Halloween costume you remember wearing? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wore a cow costume. I'm talking like with udders and all. It was it was so embarrassing. I don't even remember when it was, but that's what I wore the last time. <laughs> what is your favorite junk food? My favorite junk food is cheddar bunnies. <laughs> cheddar bunnies? <laughs> yeah. What's a cheddar and, bunny? And I know. Most people don't know, but it's this it's like the quote unquote healthier version of, of like goldfish, but it's not healthy at all. <laughs> It's a bunny. All right. Name one of the seven dwarfs. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I don't think I grew up watching the seven dwarfs. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's hilarious? Is this question gets everybody. That's why I leave it in there. Wait, isn't it? It's uh oh, my mom would be so mad at me right now. Because I feel like, I don't know. I can't think of it, Austin. I'll help you. If you're really tired at night, you're very sleepy. We'll go with sleepy. Good answer. Hey, that's a great answer. That's a good answer. Wait, isn't it? Wait, isn't there? Is there sleepy? Is there Goofy? No, Goofy's the big dog that has the dog Pluto for oh. Mickey Mouse. You know. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I failed that question. Failed miserably. We won't tell mom. We won't tell mom. What color is your <laughs> toothbrush? White. I have a mechanical white toothbrush. In the movie about your life, the Baylor Wilson story, what actress would play you? The first person that came to mind was Lauren Daigle. Isn't that weird? She's not even an actress. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. That's the answer. We're going with it. We'll, we'll reach out I to her. It. We'll see what happens. How long does it take Baylor Wilson to get dressed in the morning? You know, depends on the day and depends on if I've done my laundry. But honestly, I can get dressed in about 10 minutes. You have a time machine for one day. When and where do you go? Oh. Oh, I definitely would go back to like the 70s and the 80s. Like the 60s and 70s, the hippie the hippie periods when everyone wore bell-bottom pants. You kind of a hippie, all the time. Taylor? Well, I, I try to be, and then I just fail, I think, <laughs> because I can't keep up with, with all the, the, the disco lights and whatnot, but I, I love that period of time. I love, I love the dress and the look and the vibe. All right. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? You know, I love Fred Flintstone. The classic. Um, I mean, cartoon. SpongeBob doesn't count, right? It's a cartoon. It counts. All right. That was right. that was the the 90s kids. <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants. What's something you hate that everyone else loves? Oh, chocolate. Really? I know. I always get like mean looks for that. No, and then I'm like I'm with you on this actually. <laughs> I don't I guess some people don't hate it, but most people that I've met love chocolate pretty much like and it's like a crime if you don't. So I'd say I'd say chocolate. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't guess I hate it, but I don't love it. I'm okay with that. I don't love it. I don't love it. Favorite movie? Moneyball, Brad Pitt. All right. <laughs> last but not least, you're in the circus. Would you rather be the person with their head inside the lion's den or get shot out of the cannon? Oh, 
shot out of a cannon, 1,000%. I think so. She's Baylor Wilson of BaylorWilson.com. Baylor, you've been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for hanging out today. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. Thanks for having me. You got it. You've been listening to Behind the Tunes with Austin Black, produced by Grayson Rucker. A special thank you to our sponsor, Visible Music College, a music and worship school that trains and disciples students for the music industry and the church. You can learn more about them at visible.edu. And you can reach the show at behindthetunes at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Be sure to tune in next time as we go Behind the Tunes.